Welcome to a very special edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host as always, Alex, and with me today I have Brad. Hello there. And also Dan. How are you, Dan? I'm um, good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. It's, um, of course, our 100th episode of the Tigers Down Under, which is pretty remarkable. I didn't didn't think initially we'd get to this stage, but um, it's, yeah, look, a great ach- achievement and a, and a credit to all of us that, you know, we've kind of stuck at it and uh, kind of grown grown a bit of an audience and uh, and people clearly like listening to what we've got to say. So um, that being said, I guess we'll, we'll crack on and talk about a pretty fantastic win over the weekend against Stoke, which was a come-from-behind win, which is, a, a, you know, uh, on some level surprising against a side in Stokes position, but then you look at how he played against Barnsley and perhaps um, this sort of performance was to be expected. But um, I'll start with you, Brad. Um, what what did you make of the performance and the tenacity of the side to come back from a goal down? Um, look, I suppose we're getting used to sort of being a bit nervy and, and uh, letting in an early goal or, or, or finding some way to remind ourselves that we've, you know, we've actually got to be alive. Uh, but probably the best thing about the game, which was contrary, totally the opposite to what we were talking about last week, was we actually had plenty of shots. Um, and I realise not all of them were on target, but it shows at least we were in that final third a lot. Um, whereas I think the week before we were talking about we may have only even had one shot on for the whole yeah. second half. So, um, you know, a bit loose at times, probably more tenacity, probably more drive, but at least we were actually getting right into that point where we were making opportunities. Dan, what, what was your take on it? I mean, as Brad said, it, it felt a bit at times as if um, Stoke had a red card because they were sitting behind the ball a lot trying to defend the lead. Uh, and then it just took a couple of minutes in that second half for Bowen to break them down. Yeah, look, I think that the goal that we conceded just... Um, like it's sort of that thing that I was talking about a couple of weeks ago. We, we, there was a point where we seemed pretty solid and we seemed like we weren't going to concede. But I think over the last month or so, for whatever reason, we just I feel like we always have a goal to concede in every game we play for whatever reason. And that goal, like that was just like poor marking. It was just a just a moment where where, where Elder wasn't you know wasn't with his man and didn't and didn't contest that ball. Um, and you can't, I mean, you can't let a ball, um, you know, go uncontested in the six, on the edge of the six-yard box. Like, nine times out of ten, that's going to result in a goal. So that was disappointing. Um, but I think overall, in, the, in terms of how you um, you look at how we approach the game, and, and mm-hmm. Brad touched on it, that how attacking we were and the intent with, the intent with which we played, um, it sort of felt like even though we were one down, it was a matter of if we scored, not when we scored. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I guess um, credit to Bowen getting his double for the game again. You know, it, it seems like the hat trick will always elude him. He he still hasn't managed to score a hat trick, but he now moves um, a goal behind Mitrovic in the Golden Boot. Brad, do you think he's a legitimate legitimate chance at winning the Golden Boot this season? Look, I actually think he is. The key is obviously going to be how many times we're in the game to score goals. So on the weekend. Okay, let's not take anything away from the fact that Stoke are down the bottom for a reason, but we genuinely wanted to score goals. And there's been times this year where just 
going along the lines with what Dan said, we just look like we're happy to knock a ball around. Um, but the best we've played this year is when Bowen and Grisicki and so on are getting right in behind. And I honestly think he can, but we've got to make sure, obviously, that we're in enough games where he's going to get those chances to score. It's not top of the table where you're guaranteed to score two or three every week. We're going to have to grind out a lot of one nils or two ones to, to get the job done. But I think he is. Everyone wants him. They know how good a talent he actually is. He's not um, just scoring goals. He's, he's, he's doing it regularly. Uh, I know the hat-trick has eluded him, but the, certainly the braces haven't. Um, and he doesn't look sort of satisfied until he's, he's scoring bags of them. Yeah, and to do a bit of a minor name drop, when I was talking to Elder the other week, he did make the comment that at the moment the team is sort of just looking for Bowen and you know, they give him the ball to see what he can do with it and it's um, pretty good things at the moment. It's um, pretty remarkable as well to think he's only 22 and, and another quite young player who's only 20, uh, Lopez, has looked fantastic in the middle of the pitch. Um, Dan, Dan, how important is it with these younger players to sort of get that consistency in their games, I guess, because... Um, I guess it's a hallmark sometimes of younger players that, that they can have a bit of streaky form, but when they're at the top of their game, these younger guys are, are really sort of leading the way. Yeah, I think, like, what you often see with the, like, young, talented guys, especially you think of a guy um, like Bowler, these guys that are at bigger clubs who are undoubtedly talented but spend the majority of their time playing against other 20-year-olds, and they don't really get that chance to build um like really develop into into you know professional footballers at, at a scene real senior level and i think um that we're sort of at that stage as a club where we're we can attract we can attract those quality players to come and sign for us and offer them the chance to play at a good competitive level and develop you know really well um and some of these guys will hopefully like you look at um, you know, Device and Burke, who we brought in, yep. who started off, you know, a bit shaky, um, but but grew into it and grew into the competition as they began to understand more about, you know, the English game and, and the championship as as a competition and and the club and the, and the style of football, and now that's you know they're a lock for that centre back pairing to start if they're both fit. So I think guys like Lopez, um, you know, Bowler I mentioned, but whether he George whether Long we're going well, to pay really. out the, oh yeah, George Long. Whether we're going to pay the five million that they want for Bowler um, to to sign him on a permanent is another story. But those sort of guys, they really do need, they need that um, regular football, and they need to be um, like Dan Batty as well. They need to be allowed to make some mistakes. Yeah. As soon as you can't, if you if they make it, have a bad game, you sort of need to trust them that they can bounce back. Um, if if it sort of goes on, then sure, pull them out and. Sit him, sit him, sit him down, have have a chat, and you know, and, and start again. But I think um, the uh, that consistency. I mean, consistently, you can only build consistency if you're playing consistently. I guess is the is the main point here. Absolutely. Um, well, it was a fantastic result against Stoke, and we'll move on to sort of talk about, um, I guess, the past five years for the club because it was back in February 2016 that the podcast first started. Uh, I think it was myself and Mitch on the first episode. Logan may have been on as well. Um, and in that time, in that 100 episodes, we've had a promotion, we've had a relegation, we've had six managers, we've we've gone from a squad that had you know European players like uh, Alan McGregor, Andy Robertson, Curtis Davies, um, Jelovic, uh, Hernandez, all sort of have come through the squad. We've now got 
um, players that we've just touched on, you know, Bowen, Grzycki, Irvine, Long. Um, so a lot has changed. Uh, a lot has stayed the same as well. We've still got the same owners who have been trying to sell the club for an, a number of years now. Um, but it's good to see, you know, since since the, I think it was that first episode or one of the first episodes where you were talking about the red card protest against the, at the time, new membership scheme. And that's now been readjusted. So we have concessions back for, for uh, match-going city supporters. Um, we've got our name back on the crest, which was a huge bugbear for many years for supporters. So there's been some really positive changes and growth within the club. And... I mean, you look back at our last relegation and the doom and gloom around the club and, and the fears that we were going to follow Sunderland down into League One. Um, the fact that we've been able to turn it around, re-energise the squad and, and, and legitimately be challenging for promotion is um, is pretty remarkable. So it's um, it's been a pretty full-on five years and um, we reached out to, to other members of the uh, Tigers Down Under supporters group Facebook page and, and on Twitter to see if they have any questions. And, and I guess the best place to start is with this question from Chris Gardham, who, who asked, do we think we'll be back in the Premier League in the next five years? Um, will the club still be up for sale? Will the owners still be here? Um, Brad, do you reckon we'll be back up in the Premier League within the next five years? Um, can I tackle the second one first? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think if, if the club's up for sale in five years' time, well, we're all stuffed. Um, I think we, we can genuinely get back in there, but I think we all know that that's linked to investment and getting ourselves, you know, cherry ripe pre-season, and that's actually having more than a skeleton squad, having a manager that wants to stay. You know, they're the two real key drivers if you look back to the last Premier League campaign. We all know Brucey wasn't the most technical of managers, or tactical of managers, I should say, but he put... a a squad together early, they played for each other, they did everything a squad should. And so the issue you've got now is is that we've got a squad that generally doesn't get prepared till a week or so before the first game of the season, runs pretty thin for the first third of the season and doesn't get a lot of relief in January. So there's, that's our formula. That's what we've got to change and we'll be able to do it. What about you, Dan? How do you, how do you see our chances of, of a potential promotion? Um, I guess... <laughs> Sale, um, yeah, promotion. I think, in all honesty, I think uh, based on uh, the last couple of years and where we are at the moment and what I expect to happen in the next couple of years, I think this season is our best chance at promotion. I suspect at the end of this season that, um, you know, or like leading into next season, you're gonna we're going to see some big offers for Jared Bowen um, and it's going to be hard to keep him beyond this year. Uh, I think that some of those other players um, that are nearing the end of their contracts who are probably on pretty substantial wages who we are probably going to be looking to trim. Um, you know, I think, I honestly think this year's sort of the year and at the moment we're in a pretty good position where we can, if we can continue the way we're, we're going, maybe get a little bit more consistent. Um then you know we're going to be right there at the pointy end of the season to to fight for a spot in the playoffs. Um, as, as a subset to that question, um, do you think that a promotion would make a sale more or less likely? Do you think the Allens would be more inclined to stick around with the the funds that come with being a Premier League club, or, or do you reckon they would sort of capitalise on that and see that as a good time to to cut the ties? Oh, it's, that it makes that's an interesting question. I can sort of see both sides. Um, I'd hope that. Um, that the promotion to the Premier League would just make it um, make the club that much more um, of a 
in exciting, you know, valuable proposition for a potential owner that someone else would come in. Um, perhaps the money that, you know, that they, that the Alums, the club gets, you know, can hopefully, you know, affect that um, asking price because it's been pretty high really for, 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 a, for a club of our size. And I think some of that was that, you know, the Alums obviously just want to recoup the money that they've put into the club, which is sure, completely understandable, but um I don't know. It's a it's a tough one. I I'd like. I guess like it would be nice just to see that whole this little side story resolved um, sooner rather than later. Um, our other question came from Connor Bannum, who was asking us who our who do we think the best five best players have been over the last hundred episodes, or I'll call it the last five seasons. Um, uh, sort of sort of um, con- making that a, a little bit more concise and feeding into one of the following questions. Um, Brad, I'll start with you. Who has been your favourite player of the last five years? Um, uh, it was only just before we went on that I actually started thinking about this. Um, I think probably one of my favourites through the whole thing was the fact that, um, and not necessarily because he was the best over that time, but the fact that the club was big enough that Michael Dawson thought he'd come and join us. Yep. I remember at the time thinking, wow, this guy's from Spurs, you know, basically someone who was unattainable. Um, but uh, I still remember that day thinking, wow, that's mm. a decent r- recruit. Um, and he did, obviously, really serviceable and did a great job for us. But uh, I just remember being amazed that a guy like that would come and join us. Yeah, it's it's funny that you mention that, actually, because that's exactly the same reaction I had. Because obviously we had Andy Dawson as a great servant of the club. But Michael Dawson was always sort of, oh, you know, the quote-unquote more skillful player sort of out of reach at a much higher level club. So for him to then kind of almost finish his career with us was um, a pretty remarkable one. Um, Dan, what about you? What, who was your favourite player or, or who were some honourable mentions? Um, I think for a similar reason um, or in terms of like the sort of stature and, and where they were, I think Hernandez has always been one that I thought was, I always thought was a really good signing. Um, just unfortunately didn't seem to quite cut it at Premier League level, but you know, was crucial to us um, you know, earning promotion, um, you know, scoring 22 goals or something in that season in the championship, um, you know, to for a club of our size to attract a Uruguayan international, you know, to the club is, is quite an achievement and to pull him away from the Serie A, um, you know, I thought was, was, I thought was quite a good signing. I thought realistically for, for the money that we paid, um, I think I thought we got good value out of him and he was, um, you know, just, just, yeah, just a bit unfortunate um, in the, in the Premier League spells that he had, but I thought overall he was, he was quite a quite, he was a good quality player who had a good eye for goal. And I can't, can't go past this question without, I'll, I'll chuck in, um, it probably is my favourite and he's, he's still at the club is, is gotta be Jared Bowen, um, you know, sort of. Not quite a homegrown player, not not from Hull itself, but a youth product to come into the side and have the impact he's had is just phenomenal. Um, and then from just a, um, a joyful, infectious sort of of, of watch is uh, Andy Robertson as well. Has got to get a mention in there. Is um, it was sort of sort of cut from the same cloth in the sense that he's, he was a really young player coming into the side, a really sort of rough gem, and, and that we sort of refined and turned into this quality player who's he's now remarkably gone on to win the Champions League, which is. Um, quite incredible um i guess the other question we'll, we'll have a t- have a look at um see if you guys can can think of one it's it's always a really hard one to answer what what's been your favorite game of the last five years um i might start with you on this one dan 
I was thinking about this um, earlier, and I wasn't couldn't really wasn't really sure. But then I was thinking, um, it's not one game, but that um, those the was it the semi final legs of the was it the FA Cup or the League Cup just after Marco Silva took over in the Premier yep. League. Those um, semis against uh, Manchester United. Yeah. I um I don't know. It was just it was a weird time. We just got a new manager, um, and although we lost the ties uh like the the semi overall we did we win the yeah, second we, we won the second we won the se- one, second yeah. yeah um i think we would have even played... gone to extra time if um they, they got a dodgy goal at the end of the first leg i think which if they hadn't got yeah, that sort of yeah yeah i can't remember something it was something weird like that but yeah i think we really it was probably the first time in a long time where we really had taken it to a high quality opposition and really showed, you know, what we were capable of. And it was right after Marcus Silva had started, obviously, and we'd had, I think, a couple of good results again um, in the cup previously. I think did, who did we, we won pretty convincingly in the in the, lay, the round was before it, uh, that. I think was it Newcastle? Well, no, sorry, the Newcastle game I don't think was a comprehensive. That was the one where I think Ebicani got sent off. Snodgrass scored right before full time, and then I think we beat them on penalties. But you're right; I think there was a pretty comprehensive was win in there as well. Game against Swansea or someone like yeah. that, I think maybe. And it was like it ended up like three or four nil, I think something something wild. But I don't know. It was just a. It's a shame that it, I guess, didn't all work out with Silva because we we seemed to play a really nice um, start brand of football. Um, but I don't know. That was a that's a game that's stuck in stuck in my mind as just I guess it was a bit of a marker and we that we really weren't going to be I guess afraid of those of those top you know the top six clubs we really were going to take it to them at the end of towards through through the end of that season yeah uh, how about yourself Brad um mine's a little bit different it's not probably that much of a memorable game although it sounds it but definitely when we beat Liverpool 2-0 with effectively well, at that point was a couple of Say Liverpugglian rejects uh, running around either wrong wrong colour of town, of course, being Everton, but uh, to have two goal scorers who weren't technically even our players um, against the night that no one gave us any chance. Liverpool really had it all to play for, um, and probably proved that the first time we beat them in the Premier League wasn't a fluke either. Um, Just uh, so happens that they smashed us many many years ago at home, but. that, that was more just the fact that, okay, for a game that we didn't probably dominate possession, I don't even know what the statistics would have looked like. But we, we were definitely um, not on the same class as them, but when it mattered, we scored two goals that they didn't. So it was just great to rub it in. It's funny, actually, that you both picked uh, Marco Silva games. Um, you know, in, yep. in sort of, in sort of <laughs> honour of the uh, the fallen Everton manager, I guess. Um, yes, look, there you go. It's 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 a really hard one to answer because you know there's so many different contexts you can look at it in, and I I almost I I'm almost tempted to say the game that we're probably going to talk about in a little bit is our flashback game from last season um, against our opponents this Wednesday. Um, oh, look, I, I'll probably say the um, playoff final against Chef Wednesday only because. That's probably the last time that we really had a um, like a kind of a, a united team behind Steve Bruce. Um, players were fantastic. It was it was one of those games where we're, we're so often the underdog in a game that to be such an overwhelming, not only favourite but to play so well on the day as well. And really, we should have scored a whole lot more goals than we did. Um, was really sort of a great feeling that we had this amazing team behind us. And yes, it didn't necessarily go on to to 
to pan out that way. But at that moment, it just it all felt like it had come together, and, and we were going to go back up and have another great spell in the Premier League. So that's probably the one I'll pinpoint. I mean, obviously the uh, the derby leg in the semi final where we won three 0 was also pretty fantastic in that campaign. Um, but you know, talking briefly there about that Leeds game, um, we'll talk about in detail a little bit more later the uh, the game from last season. But we do have Leeds this Wednesday morning in a pretty huge clash. Sort of a similar story to last season, although I think we're in slightly better form than last season. But Leeds on a huge winning run. They've they've won all five of their last five games. I think they've only conceded 10 for the whole season, so it's the best defensive record in Europe or something like that. Um, but they haven't played against Jared Bowen yet this season, so that could all change. Um, I'll, I'll start with you, Dan, on this one. Um, what what are you sort of expecting with this one? Is it is it a game where we've got nothing to lose, let's just go at them? Or is it a game where we can really take some confidence from last season and really go there thinking we can win it? I, I think we've shown over the course of the season... Um, that we can beat anyone. We've also shown that we're almost just as likely to not really turn up at all, um, which is a bit of a shame. Um, and so, especially over the last few weeks, it's really hard to read any form and, and, and decide to figure out whether the team's, you know, it, feeling confident or, or not. So I'm really not too sure about this weekend. I think, obviously, like... I believe in the players and the squad that we have, and I believe that they can go there and do a job. I'm just, uh, I'm not I'm really unsure about whether they actually will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's an interesting one. And, and I guess that the real positive or the real confidence we can take is the fact that we at least tend to turn up against the bigger sides. I think West Brom is probably the only team where we've really sort of struggled. And even then, we only lost 1-0, and, and they're sort of dismantling sides left and right. Um, Brad, do you sort of look back at, I guess the game against Preston, and, and you sort of touched on, against Barnsley, against Stoke, we probably got a bit of jitters because we were the favourite going into it. But against your Prestons, your Forests, um, your other top six sides, we've, Fulham, um, we've actually looked quite good. Do you, do you sort of take that confidence into this game? Yeah, look, I do. And probably the only thing, uh, and this has got nothing to do with form or even on paper, but if you look at where Leeds sit, you know, I think it's six on the trot now or something like that. Yeah. Barely conceded a goal, like you said at the start. They're, they're just on fire. It's going to come to an end. And who better to do it than us? Because we're consistently good at turning them over. So um, probably the it's only almost, thing... It's almost like was, that, um, that Liverpool form, like you were saying before. We pretty much. We do well against yeah. Liverpool, we do well against Leeds. Don't have a chance. <laughs> it might be just, just the way some of the, um, the plans come into place. You know, you come in with a mindset that, OK, we're going to have to work harder to be competitive or whatever it may be. But, look, this week you can only go by the bookmakers and I think the bookmakers have got us at sort of $8 or something crazy. Yeah, so crazy. I think it's worth a few lazy dollars and um, <laughs> we'll have a nice Christmas like we've had before turning leads over. Absolutely. It always makes um, Christmas a little bit merrier. Um, I, I guess the the big question marks out of the game against, um, against Stoke would be perhaps a change up top. Eves looked, uh, you know, he, he, he looked about as good as he has, which is to say, I mean, he, he's been competitive. He's made a contest of it. He's um, he sort of helped bring Bowen into the game on occasions. But the question then becomes whether we play a more fluid front three as we have at times. You bring Bowler off the bench, start Bowen, Bowen up top perhaps. Um, Dan, do you see any need for a change? I guess conscious of the fact it's a midweek game. We showed last week we had a bit of fatigue when we had to play a couple of games in a short space of time. 
Um, are there any changes that you would probably think to make to the side? Um, I guess it would. I'm not. I don't know. I guess it, it's all that depends on how everyone's pulled up. I think there probably will be. Um, probably that change. That's probably that change you mentioned. Um, maybe a change in the middle of the park to because um, those those three boys in the middle cover a lot of ground and do a lot of work. So. Um, if there's anyone to give him some fresh legs, um, I guess like Honeyman might come back in or something um, just to freshen up, you know, because as you said, we've got um, we've got Wednesday, then we've got on um, Saturday morning again yeah, um, to play. Yeah, which I didn't so, playing Saturday morning, so it's a very short turnaround. Yeah, so I think um, just with that, with the three games in a week, um, I'd expect there'd probably be some minor shuffling, uh, minor changes, but I think for the most part, it'll probably really be only it'll be whoever whoever needs it, whoever you know looks like they're um, um, yeah, you know, looks looks like they need a bit of a break. But um, I wouldn't expect too much because you know um, consistency is key, really. Brad, what are your thoughts? Do you think it's it's better to sort of keep a winning team together or or make that change and, and give us a bit more unpredictability up top? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think probably if we go back to previous encounters against Leeds, we've always gone in with a lineup that's pretty set at the back. And then I know Nigel Atkins had a habit of throwing a, a red herring in up, up forward every now and then. We just didn't expect it. But I think probably this week, the hardest thing's going to be is to break down that back four. And I think the only way we're going to do it is, like Dan said, is if you've got a really fluid running front three that can pepper them from a few different angles and try and stretch them. Um, it's certainly not going to be a day where I think you can just sort of play Tom Eves up top and have a couple running around. I think we're going to have to really run at them. Uh, and then just finally, a score prediction from both of you. Personally... I'm going to go with my heart on this one. I always like to go with my heart when it's Leeds. I don't really care what my brain's telling me. And I'll I'll say that we're going to win it 2-1. I just feel like Grzycki is due a goal, so I could see a late Grzycki free kick flying into the top corner to, to give us the win. But how are you, how are you feeling about it, Dan? Um, look, I'm, you're going with your heart. I'm for the first, probably the first time in a, probably about 12 episodes. I'm going to um, tip with my head. Um, I, I I think it'll be the same score, but it'll be the other way around. I think Leeds is going to um, just knock us off. I think um, I think we'll score first and then concede two. And how about yourself, Brad? I can never do it with my head. Um, <laughs> I think at this stage, we're just going to say we're going to win. And I actually think Irvine's going to get on a score oh, sheet be just brilliant. for a bit of Christmas pudding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and look, anyone listening in, I, I'm going to try and make it to Cheers Bar Wednesday morning. So anyone in Sydney, feel free to come along. I'll get the game up on the screen and uh, hopefully kick off the workday in the in the right way. Um, but we'll move on. And as Dan touched on, we do have a game Saturday morning. So it's a very, very short turnaround. Um, and it's against Charlton, who, who've dropped the 17th. They, they did start the season quite well, but they've really sort of dropped off. Um, and they've lost four of their last five. So... You know, putting our pessimistic hats on, if we are to drop points to Leeds, if we are to lose to Leeds, I think it, it sort of um, positions itself as a really good game to sort of put put the Leeds game behind us um, and, and try and rebound quite quickly with such a short turnaround. Um, Dan, do you see it as, regardless of the Leeds result, if we are to win against Leeds, it's a good chance to keep the winning feeling going. If we drop points, it's a good chance to, to, to put it behind us uh, and really target three points against a, a struggling Charlton side. 
Yeah, I think um, as I I keep saying again when we play these teams that are um, down there at the bottom end of the table, that they're the games that we have to win. If we if we want to be um, in that playoff spot, in those playoff spots, and 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 keeping pace with those, even you know maybe even um, optimistically starting to catch those top two, then, you know, those, those are the games we have to win. Um, I don't know what else to say. That's it. We, we, we have to win. Do you think, do you think we'll win it considering our, um, our form recently against those struggling sides? I don't know if, I guess it's a, it's a, it's a flip of a coin yeah. deal. The same with like, you know, if we, if we beat Leeds, we'll probably lose to Charlton, but if we <laughs> lose to Leeds, we'll probably beat Charlton. Um, I think, I think we can win. I think we should win. And I think, I think we will win. I, I can't see us dropping um, all six points in the week. Um, I think we'll at least pick up some points this week, three, you know, four, if we're really lucky, six, yeah, Brad, Brad, I mean, I guess it's it's similar to what I was saying last week about if you flip the uh, the Preston and Barnsley results, it, it looks a lot better than it ended up feeling because a loss to uh, Preston and then a win against Barnsley 4-0 would have uh, given us a bit more confidence, I guess, in that sense. But um, how, how do you feel about the game? Do you see it as, as a good chance to, to carry on from the Leeds game or, or is it perhaps a bit concerning with the game so close together that we might have to rotate a bit more heavily? Oh, look, I think probably... The rotation's what we need. Um, if we're going to be, uh, you know, thereabouts playoff time at the end of the season, it won't be just on the best eight or ten that we've got. It's going to be these midweek games where we can get a result. So um, we've seen even this flashback, you know, talking about Robertson and Maguire. I mean, we remember when Maguire couldn't get in the team. Yeah. Um, and he was certainly not an England hero back then. Um, so without these chances for these guys to be able to, to shine and get the opportunity, um, we're not going to be getting anywhere come into the season anyway. But probably the only good thing is just taking to what Dan said, you know, we're highly likely to beat Leeds because we shouldn't and then probably get stumped <laughs> by Charlton. But the good thing is, is that, you know, you've still got to remember what we're there for. We're all supporters. And that Leeds game last year was like, like Christmas all over again. Pardon the pun, but at least in this case, we've got something to look forward to on a huge level with Leeds. And I think McCann should pick the strongest team for each week, forgetting what's behind it, because you've only got this week to look at at the moment. Absolutely. And and you, you touched on that Leeds game from last season, and that is our push, football flashback game of the week. Uh, in a pretty remarkable win, winning 2-0 at Elland Road when no one gave us a chance. Um, I think Leeds had won however many games it was in a row, and we were, you know, struggling side, just sort of starting to put a few wins together. And, and really, it was the first result where we sort of thought, oh, hang on, this side does have a bit about it. We can go on a little bit of a run. We knocked off sides like Sheffield Wednesday and, and other sides batted Bolton um, on a bit of a run after this game. But this was the game that really gave us a bit of confidence. And the other reason I absolutely love it is it was the game that broke Leeds' winning run, shattered their confidence, and he sort of stumbled and fell out of the uh, automatic spots after that and stuffed up their big promotion chance while they had that um, Amazon Prime film crew there. So they kind of stuffed everything <laughs> up, which was uh, which was fantastic. I've still yet to watch that documentary, but I'll, I'll absolutely love it when I do. Um, before I get both your thoughts on it, it was a really... Looking at the lineup for this game, I was absolutely amazed. Can either of you remember who started up top for us in that one? I can remember one of them. Uh, who, who have you got in mind? Will Keane. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's the one. Got a new one. I was amazed that he was the player that started up top for us in that one because it's oh, no. um it's quite remarkable looking back on it. I presumably I can't remember off the top of my head, but presumably Campbell was injured for that one because I can't imagine Kane would have started up top for any other reason. But it, it just underlined what a remarkable win it was. Um, uh, Is that because Will Kane was playing? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Well, I mean the fact that that was sort of um. The, the, the quality of our starting 11, and with no disrespect to Will Kane, it, it sort of suggests that perhaps there wasn't a whole lot on the bench behind him if he was if he was the one leading the line. Um, but yeah, Brad, I mean, you were talking about it just before. What, what are your memories of this game and, and what it really sort of meant for our season? I remember not getting to watch it. That was disappointing. Um, and then when I saw the results come through, I thought, oh, you've got to be joking. Someone's having a lend. Um, and then by the time I watched the highlights, I just remember a lot of this, but especially the, st- the stuff on social media, just how good everyone was saying it was as a day out, not just because we beat Leeds, but, but no one gave us a sniff. The manager was pretty much, you know, never our saviour. The players were thrown together. It had all that sort of hallmarks of just, a, you know, a mishmash. Um, and then we turn around, what at that stage was probably the, one of the best teams in the comp on their own dick and ruin their Christmas. So, yeah, it's good. It was fantastic, and, and it's always amazing seeing the uh, the response on social media from Leeds supporters afterwards, because they'll be the first to insist that they don't care about Hull, that Hull doesn't matter, that their rivals are Manchester United and Liverpool and all those big teams, but the absolute meltdowns that they go through when they lose to us, and the absolute carry-on from their supporters is a sight to behold. So I, I really hope we can repeat the dose uh, Wednesday morning. Dan, what are your memories of this one? Um... Look, I think it just, um, I, I vaguely remember, like, we were sort of, at that point, we had maybe, what, maybe two wins or something for the season, and, like, not, like, we weren't going great, but I think we'd sort of slowly been building a little bit of, you know, consistency in the way we played going into that game, um, and then... Um, yeah, it just it just seemed to kick it all off, and then this was very early. Was this was this a start, or was this like the second win in that ten or whatever yeah, game it would have run been or something? Right near the start of that, I suspect. Yeah, um, I just remember. Um, yeah, yeah, and like I don't know, and and Bowen like the start of you know Bowen carrying us, you know, along. He, I think he would. We were sort of saying. At that time, he was we we had expected more from him to that point, and he was a bit slow to get started. And then he just sort of started getting a couple of goals um, here and there in a the couple of weeks before that, I think. And then yeah. and then all of a sudden, he was on fire and just dragging us along by the by the scruff of the neck, so so to speak. Um, much to very similar to sort of how it's going at the moment, um, regardless of what anyone else in the club is doing jared bowen is just dragging us along with him for the rides um it almost seems at times um and it was sort of it, it was that same sort of feeling then um that you know and, and again to knock off you know leads who were at one uh you know local rivals um that derby game and, and there at the at the top you know as, as brad mentioned you know going you know having t- um you know perfect forms so to speak you know probably the five five wins in the in the last five and we were probably four losses and a draw or something like that well um, we, we, we had actually won a couple of the games before and i'm just having a look at it yeah. now so we, we'd we'd knocked off brentford swansea and preston before it so we were in a little uh, bit of form but 
my memory is that those sides weren't weren't travelling too well themselves, so it wasn't as if we were knocking off top teams. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Bowen was just starting to score. He'd scored a couple against Swansea, but that Leeds game sort of came out of nowhere because I think that would have been our first clean sheet in quite a while. Uh, well, since that Brentford game, about four games before it. But but it was after that that we knocked off Bolton 6-0 and Chef Wednesday 3-0. Uh, had that great result against Villa where really we went up 2-0 and should have won the game. But I think Device got injured, which um, which um, gave us a bit of a struggle. But uh, look, you know, it, it was a fantastic game that really sort of kick-started that belief that we could actually do something. And we were kind of starting to knock on the doors of the playoff places um, a couple of weeks later. So... Um, yeah, yeah, just a fantastic result all around. Um, and as you say, I mean, Bowen just, it's just a consistent uh, theme each season that he's just becoming a better and better player. And the fact that he's up to 14 goals already for the season is just absolutely re- remarkable. And um, closing in on, you know, you, you sort of have to start to talk about him in the same breath as, as someone like a Windass in terms of importance at the club, because, you know, even just from a sheer numbers, statistics of it, he's coming close to that number of goals for the club um, yes he's not going to likely he's not going to score a memorable goal at Wembley as Windass did and he's not going to have quite the same place in our folklore but that you know you can't underestimate the, the doom and gloom around the club when we got relegated from the Premier League in that season and the fact that everyone was so utterly convinced at our demise and, and, and our com- complete collapse into League 2 non-league status because of our finances because of our squad the fact that, as you say, he's just picked us up by the scruff of the neck and taken us taken us along for the ride, uh, it, it can't be underestimated the importance that he's played the last couple of seasons. But, um, yeah, look, um, thanks for joining me today, guys. It's been a fantastic episode and, and great to reminisce a little bit over the, of the last five seasons um, since the podcast first began, and, and thank you for joining me. Cheers, mate. Well done on the 100th episode too, Alex. You're a star. No problem. Thanks, Brad. And, and thanks for joining me, Dan. Oh, no. No worries. It's um, it's always a pleasure. And I guess it's um, it's nice um, to think that, you know, that, that we have, you know, as a, as a collective and you have led the way, but that we have grown, um, you know, to be able to have. You know, it's, it's a bit of a privilege, really, to, to just be able to talk and to, to know that people actually care what we have to say about yeah. city so little, little old us on the other side of the world but it's um it's great to know that you know people people enjoy the content and people enjoy hearing a bit of discussion about city and uh look long may it continue and hopefully we can see another promotion into the premier league and some more um more more achievements up there as well but uh until next time we've got a couple of great games to come for this for this week i should say uh, and until next time come on city You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. This is on fire. We're going higher and higher. There's no turning back.